Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. So what do you think of the Pope urging believers to pray that artificial intelligence and robots always serve mankind? What is he hinting at, Peter? Um, Well, the the big problem is uh, we have many people uh, who uh, have never studied the subject, have never worked in the subject. Um, They look at it from the outside with uh, zero understanding, and then they uh, coin a word, pontificate uh, about it, rightly or wrongly. Um, I'm not decrying that people should have an opinion on the subject, but the reality is uh, all technology is absolutely and utterly benign. Uh, it is never technology that's the problem. We've never invented anything that's been uh, on its own uh, harmful to the human race. It's when people get their hands on it, that's the difficulty, it's what people will do with it. And so um, I can't think of a technology that's been invented that hasn't been weaponized in some way or other. Um, so those are the, the, the concerns. So I, you know, if, we, uh, if we invent a technology like AI and robotics and then uh, give it a gun and teach you to kill people, uh, that's not the fault of the technology. That's, that's us. The problem. Exactly. So I always look at these things in terms of uh, what's the upside of the technology and what is the downside. So the reality is the AI is saving lives every day. It's providing us with food and clothing. Um, it is uh, helping us create what, what we now call Industry 4.0, which is the first attempt, if you like, by our species to create some kind of symbiotic relationship with the planet, i.e. a sustainable society. And without it, we will not be able to create the materials uh, and the uh, the medicines, the drugs, and... Um, uh, things of that nature to sustain human beings into the future. So we we've reached we we've reached a tipping point, if you wish. But we've done this successively through every industrial revolution. It is now starting to dawn on people, and it's been blindingly obvious for a long time that uh, we live on a planet that is finite, and we have an infinite uh, appetite for consumption. Um, the two don't go together. And Peter, let's talk about the title of your new book, AI and Policing. What's the policing yes. part of that? Well, what uh, what we've done, uh, myself and uh, co-editors have brought together a series of chapters that have a look at the whole problem of law and order. So I suspect you have definitely got this problem in the U.S. But uh, Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, in the U.K., um, we have the barristers. Uh, these uh, uh, these are the people that uh, take court, court, uh, cases to court. They're like lawyers uh, here, oh, right? Yeah. Uh, they're absolutely overwhelmed by the caseload. And, and what I mean is, if they don't start work and they keep going 24 hours a day for about five years, they're still going to be behind. So um, we've now got court cases that are pending for over a year because... Nobody can read the paperwork fast enough. Nobody can uh, put a, 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 if you like, a pro and con argument, um, examine the evidence fast enough. Uh, And so uh, AI has that ability uh, to actually read all of this stuff. And it's been demonstrated, and it works very well. And it's actually been adopted in the U.S., of course, first. But the U.K. is now starting to look at it. Um, We have... 
um, a lot of tensions in, in modern society, and um, one of the big difficulties is that the pace of change is far faster now than human beings can cope with. Um, in my case, for example, I made the decision many years ago uh, to stop specializing and to become a generalist. Now, uh, the joy of this is I've been able to work on projects that have spanned a huge range. The downside is I have to read everything from molecular science um, through to um, clinical science, through to engineering, physics, uh, biology, chemistry, just to keep a, a surface view, if you like, of where the developments are. Um, I was working, well, I've been working for a number of companies over the last 20 years, and I've seen this trend, if you will, just accelerate. Uh, the people, the experts, the people developing the systems, I would very often characterize as being uh, one meter wide and two kilometers deep. And what I mean is they know an infinite amount about almost nothing. But push them to one side of their expertise level, and they, they don't know very much at all. Now, this is kind of dangerous, mm -hmm. if you like, when, when you're trying to create a technology um, and solutions uh, for society, uh, which is a very broad animal. You know, societies are not very narrow. We survive by, by virtue of our diversity. And uh, it's becoming increasingly difficult to have a diverse view. So I've been employed over the last 20 years to connect the dots. I've gone into teams where literally there's been difficulty for the engineers and the scientists of so many disciplines to talk together and understand what is happening. Um, and so to me, the epitome of this would be something like, um, uh, say, a Boeing 777. Nobody understands how that beast works. No one person can tell you how that beast works. What you can get is somebody who will tell you about uh, the deep technology involved in creating a turbine blade. You can get somebody who will tell you in detail about the combustion chamber mm -hmm. on the jet engine. You can get somebody who will tell you about the airfoil and so on. But no one can actually put it all together. So we're way past the point where the systems we are building were actually within the grasp of a single uh, human mind. And so... If we're not careful, we get the rather silly situations where managers make decisions based on uh, partial information or ignorance. They're driven by whatever mechanisms uh, uh, you wish to think of, um, and you finish it with a disaster. And so uh, Boeing have suffered that fate with one of their aircraft, um, which has uh, had to be grounded. And I feel for these people... Uh, because they are managing multidisciplinary teams on projects that are phenomenally complex, and they need help. And the only help that we can see and we have is to bring in the technology. And very often that comes in the shape of AI, but also visualization graphics and, uh, and things like that. So but this is not a new story, by the way. It's happened 
cycle after cycle after right. cycle. It's, it's just getting faster. What has fueled it, though, Peter? What is really pushing this artificial intelligence to do these remarkable things, many of which we'll talk about tonight? Um, we have a desperate need. Um, you know, we have uh, over 7 billion people on this planet. Uh, there are enough resources uh, to keep people alive and provide them all with a reasonable standard of living. And as I've said uh, many times now, uh, we've got to stop uh, creating more and more uh, for the few, and we've got to start providing sufficient for the many. If we do not do that, we will never have peace, stability, and uh, reasonable uh, conditions right across the planet. And so uh, it's not by accident uh, that globalization has happened. It's occurred because no country, uh, not China, not Europe, not the USA, not Russia, have got all the resources they need to match the demands of the modern world. And so we have to collaborate, we have to cooperate, because, believe it or not, we are desperately short of people on this planet. And I mean people with the necessary skills and capability to solve the problems we face, which are many, uh, COVID being a, a good example. Mm-hmm. Um, without those skills, um, we, will, uh, we will suffer. So um, a, a friend of mine made a very interesting statement the other day, and uh, it was that uh, we've damaged the planet and now she's fighting back. So COVID is uh, really quite a result of uh, the pressure put on the environment by human beings. Now, if we want to avoid more COVIDs and a more fight back from the planet, we have to find a way of living more sympathetically with nature. We can't do that with the technology from the past, the thinking from the past, or the economic models and the, and the uh, politics of the past. It, it needs a different approach. There's a movie, Peter, called The Truman Show, and it was uh, with a star, Jim Carrey, who's a comedian, yeah, but it was that. a great show. And it, it, and it dealt with how in his entire life, it was videotaped since he was a baby and everything else, and then they showed it later on, and it was remarkable. Are we going to get to that point? Have we gotten to that point where, you know, we're going to be wearing cameras, we're going to be doing all these things, and our lives will be recorded all the time? Uh, I think we're way past that point. Um, you, I mean, I think a lot of Americans will be outraged if they came to the UK. It's very difficult to get off camera. Really? Um, but, yeah, there are, there are uh, more cameras per head of population in the UK than the vast majority of uh, uh, countries. Um, the good news is uh, people are quite happy about it. It fits well with the society. Uh, I'm very happy that uh, when my wife goes out at night, there are lots of cameras in the parking lot. Uh, you f- you feel safer out. with these cameras? Of course. Um, they're... they're, they're they're great for um, observing uh, people from a safety point of view, but also you know, medical emergencies, traffic jams, uh, accidents. Uh, it speeds up the whole emergency response um, uh, situation. Um, so from a safety, um, a personal safety, but from a societal safety point of view, it works very well. 
Um, you go to China, uh, it's a little more extreme. Um, you know, they, that, that society happens to be uh, happy with it, but uh, all the police are now wearing uh, cameras in the major cities. Uh, they will uh, look at you, use facial recognition, and flag to the police officer uh, if uh, you're uh, wanted or you're a criminal or they've got a, some outstanding charge, uh, you should be intercepted. Uh, that uh, is not uh, exactly happened in the UK, but uh, our policemen are now wearing cameras. Um, it it uh, helps with things like evidence, um, uh, traffic incidents, um, interception of crime on the streets with body-worn cameras is um, absolutely revolutionising law and order. And you don't have to go too far. Uh, go on YouTube and have a look on... Uh, uh, on the USA Fed sites from police forces, uh, but from Joe Public, where they've got uh, dash cams and they're recording accidents. Uh, some vehicles coming out of Japan have got uh, seven or eight uh, or ten cameras on them uh, facing uh, forward, backwards, sideways, and uh, they record uh, 15 minutes of activity all the time. So that if you have an accident, you've got a full video record. So this revolutionises insurance. <laughs> so um, I, uh, I had, I know, I've had accidents like everybody else in the vehicle, and years and years ago, I, I had one, and the paperwork, my God, it, it was killing. It, it took a long time. Sure. But then uh, my wife had a, a, a small accident, and um, we, uh, we we got uh, a video, we got photographs, and we just sent them into the insurance company. By the time we got home, it had all been settled. That's amazing. Where do you see AI going, Peter, in 20 years? Um, well, right now, I, I have to say that um, AI is on, on, a, on a ladder, and, and it's really only on about the first uh, first one and a half rungs of, of the ladder. Um, it's great skill, as far as we are concerned right now, is its ability to recognize patterns that we cannot see. Uh, and so it, it can... Uh, it can see patterns uh, for the, for the material, uh, developing new materials or new drugs or human behavior or machine behavior. And uh, it's a phenomenally powerful resource. So um, I, I have AI in every room in my house here. Um, and so uh, one of the paradoxes, if you wish, is that the most popular AI system in use for people like you and I uh, is Alexa. It comes out of Amazon, and Amazon is not even a, a tech company, <laughs> apparently. And so um, it's now getting embedded in television sets and uh, talk to my car, talk to my TV, talk to everything. Terrific. Saves me time. I don't have to type. I can ask. So as an interface, it's rather a wonderful uh, uh, facility. The next rungs as we go up are to start heading towards putting in uh, sensory capability. At the moment, uh, AI is a, a disembodied entity. So in my work, what, what I have uh, discovered, that the property of sentience is far more to do with the sensory system and the connection to the environment than it is to do with the processing power and the memory. So um, when you start to put... Um, all kinds of sensors onto an AI, then it starts to create, if you like, 
a, some form of awareness, some kind of model of um, where it lives uh, and what it, it does. That ups the ante quite uh, significantly. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.